As an immigrant from a young age and the daughter of two travel industry entrepreneurs, venturing into the unknown has become a way of life. From the Silk Road to New Zealand, Iceland, and Uganda, I feel most at home in new places and most comfortable when I'm cold and walking uphill. Welcome to the second episode of Catalyze, a podcast from the Moorhead Kane Foundation at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. What you just heard is a quote from our featured alumni guest today. I'm Caroline Leland, your producer and host. Last week, we spoke with Brad Ives, the Associate Vice Chancellor for UNC's Campus Enterprises and the Sustainability Director at UNC. Brad also happens to be the founder of the grand triennial on-campus alumni reunion we call the Alumni Forum, a super fun, super stimulating weekend-long event happening in Chapel Hill this October. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to someone with quite a different story to tell. Noam Argov is in the Moorhead Kane class of 2015, and her professional experiences have been a mashup of techie startups, outdoor adventuring, and creative production. Noam has been lucky enough to attend the last two forums and will be a panelist at this year's forum to discuss her recent career pivot from startups in the tech industry to documentary filmmaking for National Geographic. Without further ado, I introduce to you Noam Argov. I'm really excited to talk to you. I think that objectively your career is really cool. And so I'm really excited to hear about it and hear about your involvement with the forum and a little bit about your Moorhead Kane experience at UNC. But just to begin with, could you start by talking about where you are right now and what you've been up to lately? Yeah, so um, I'm in San Francisco right now, which is rare according to all of my friends, but I do live here. Um, And I'm a... National Geographic Explorer and Independent Filmmaker. Um, so the Nat Geo thing is kind of something that I do on the side, but my main gig is making independent films. So I do like, I'm just kind of trying to break into the scene now. So like, we'll see what happens. But I made two shorts this year. Um, one of them came out in May and then the next one will be, um, we'll be submitting to festivals in two weeks. So it's a little stressful right now. Um, but yeah, and then on I do like photography, commercial work, um, mostly producing and directing. I want to dive a little bit more into that in a minute about some of the specific projects you're working on. But before we do that, I'd like to talk about kind of your backstory. So how you ended up where you are. I don't know if you're if you're more had Kane Summers played into it, but if we could start with your UNC experience, I'd love to hear your um you hear you talk a little bit about what your scholar experience was like, especially your summers? Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about my summers uh, before we started chatting, and I realized that they actually exactly map my career trajectory, which is Whoa. hilarious. That's yeah, amazing. It's super, <laughs> it's super weird. It's actually really, really strange, and I didn't think about that until a couple of minutes ago. Um, so my first summer was outdoor leadership, which I think is what everybody still does. And I did mountaineering and rock climbing for three weeks with Outward Bound in the Rockies in Colorado. And that was my first time mountaineering and rock climbing, which are now things that I love super deeply and do regularly. So it's like really crazy. That summer totally changed my life and like 
yeah, I'm like a climber now. And I, that's like a huge passion of mine and something that I do in my work. And I do like climbing photography too sometimes. And it's really crazy to think that that was my first exposure to that. And so that's pretty incredible to think about. And, and now I do a lot of like adventure filmmaking, which is like anything like outdoor, remote or extreme sports in the mountains and stuff like that. And that summer played a huge role in getting me exposed to those environments at all. So kind of mind blowing to think about that. And then for my second summer, I did public service in Uganda with TASO, the aid support organization. And that was, I think that was the first time actually that I had traveled to, you know, like a developing country. And so that was really interesting. And now most of the documentary film work that I do is in, you know, these like remote areas or on like sensitive topics or in like really remote communities with really specific cultures. And so that (laughs) played a huge role in exposing me you know, to that side of what I do, which is pretty crazy. And then um, my third summer was an internship with the Smithsonian Channel with David Royal, which was documentary filmmaking. (laughs) So it's like, it's kind of, I know, it's kind of hilarious, like thinking about how every single summer really came together for what I do. And ironically, like, uh, my last summer was an internship as a product manager at a tech company in San Francisco. And that's what I ended up doing post-grad. I think more so because I felt like that was a safe choice. And I could see like, you know, um, a career trajectory there that seemed clear with like a consistent income. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, like, ironically, the the first three summers, which I sort of treated as like, kind of just like passion summers where I was really letting myself like discover what I like to do and experiment. Like the Smithsonian Channel, I'd never done documentary filmmaking before. I'd never picked up a camera before. So that was kind of a shot in the dark, but then is now what I do all the time. So (laughs) it's really interesting how the first three that I was sort of experimenting with eventually now became my main career or pieces of my main career. Right. Yeah. So when you were doing those, those first few summers, did it, they were all new experiences. Did it feel like it was resonating or you were thinking to yourself, I love this. I could, I wish I could do this forever. Or was it, did it take time for that to sink in as something that you actually could turn into a career? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think I never even thought about them as career choices because they seemed so abstract. Like, I don't, I think if somebody told me that this was what I'd be doing, you know, when I first started college, I would have laughed. But I think I always kind of, when I do something, I look for like moments of just like pure joy. And I think we all experience that in different ways. And for some people, it's like lying on a beach on vacation. For some people, it's like being with your partner or your family. Um, And I just try to look for those moments and kind of everything that I do just to like gut check with myself, like you know, is this something that fulfills me? And I think in all of those summers, the first three, it was, you know, there were like moments of that pure joy feeling where you're like, wow, I am just so objectively happy and satisfied right now. And probably like subconsciously when I was thinking, you know, okay, what do I want to do with my life? (laughs) I bet I thought back to those times that I was truly happy. And those summers really popped out to me. But all that to say there were really hard moments like definitely when I was 
you know, getting snowed on in the Rockies, I wasn't like, oh, I'm so happy right now. Right. Have you heard the phrase type two fun? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love type two fun now. Uh, so, and then I know that you were a political science and peace, war, and defense double major, is that yeah. right? I read on your website that that plays into how you approach your, your documentary film projects as well. Yeah, totally. So it's really cool to, for me to see how your Moorhead Kane Summers and then your academic experience at UNC all tied together to just to blend into this this really unique, creative lifestyle that you have now creative and outdoorsy lifestyle that you have now so um yeah. what was that like though when you so you you had a this startup job in your last summer and then you did product management and then so what was it like transitioning from that I know that you're going to be on this panel at the forum to discuss this exact topic but I'd love for you to tell me about what it was like transitioning from that to to the to pursuing the documentary film and the the outdoor adventure stuff that you work on now so I, th- I think like from the beginning, I just really, I was really searching for something, I maybe this sounds naive, I don't know, that would like make an impact on, yeah, just the world and people. And I wanted to do something that was meaningful um, to people outside of myself. And I didn't really care what that thing was, as long as it impacted a lot of people in a positive way. So I think for a long time, I was just, I knew what the goal was, but I didn't know what the career was that would let me do that and it could be a lot of things right and so that's kind of why I was interested in like international relations and government but then actually like in an internship that I did in DC at Albright Stonebridge I saw that like tech companies were doing a lot of the work that I wanted to be doing with like infrastructure development and like internet connectivity in developing countries and stuff like that so that was kind of the first time that I was like, oh, maybe I should work in tech because like technology makes a huge difference on people's lives. But <laughs> probably for like anyone who has worked in any company, you know, it's not like you arrive on the scene and you're like building fiber uh, right. in Africa. Or right. <laughs> and so I ended up working at these startups as a product manager, which I like enjoyed the work itself, but I'd sort of lost touch with the end goal of like what I wanted to be doing. And so after my first job out of college, it was super high paying like job in San Francisco at a startup. And I was the only woman on the product team. And that was really cool for me. But I didn't, I just, it was like marketing analytics and I didn't find it fulfilling. And so I quit after six months, which I think is like a faux pas in the real world, quote unquote, whatever, you know, but, um, but I just couldn't do it anymore. So, and then I got a job at a nonprofit in Nepal that was run or is run by Conrad Anker, who's a really famous climber and mountaineer for the North Face and has done all these Everest ascents. And he started this nonprofit to teach Sherpa better techniques for guiding on Everest expeditions because they're not properly trained by the companies that hire them. And then they die at really high rates on the mountain, basically helping Westerners summit. So I spent like about two months there working and that sort of repositioned me. And I ended up doing a lot of media work for them, like photography and these like oral histories with the Sherpa. And I loved that. So then I came back and worked at 
still wasn't done with tech. I was still like, I got to be on this path. So <laughs> I came back and worked for um, a fitness, like a media fitness company. And I ended up being their like senior producer, basically. So I produced all of these digital workouts. That's kind of when I was like, I was just sort of like picking up clues along the way, you know, it was like in high school, I took a film class and then I did this Smithsonian Channel internship and I really liked it. And I took photography courses in college and I liked that. And then the Nepal thing. And then here I was producing media and I loved it. And so that's when I was like, okay, if I just take a step back and put all the pieces together, I really like storytelling and I really like visual storytelling. And so that was kind of the turning point for me where I was like, oh, this is what I like to do. <laughs> and then, so while I was at the startup, I kind of on a whim applied for a National Geographic grant to make a documentary. And I was like, if I get this, I'm going to quit my job. And then I got it. So I quit my job. Amazing. <laughs> and then the rest is history. So the grant, the National Geographic grant, that's what makes you a Nat Geo Explorer, right? Right. So now I'm kind of, um, I'm like a permanent freelancer for them, if you want to think of it that way. So I just pitch them on projects. And if they like what I've pitched, um, they'll give me grant funding to go out and do it and research cool. it and shoot it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any pitches you're currently working on? We're just wrapping up a project about backcountry skiing with horses in Kyrgyzstan. So that's going to be a short that's coming out. And it's all about like preserving culture by incorporating it into new sports and tourism. Um, so that'll be done, I think, by the end of the year. Where do your ideas come from? Like, how did you come up with to do a, a video about backcountry skiing with horses? Where did that come from? <laughs> I think that one was, um, it's just from like traveling or like having an eye out for interesting stories. I kind of think everything is interesting and almost to a fault. Like I see potential in everything and everyone, but I think it's good for my job maybe. <laughs> but um, I, uh, yeah, for that one, I was traveling with actually another Moorhead, Graham Palmer. And we did a trip along the Silk Road after college graduation and we were in Kyrgyzstan and it was my first time there and this guy I was like looking at the mountains and I was like whoa those lines would be pretty cool to ski down and this guy was like yeah there's a random man who's taking people up there with horses and the horses can like climb up the mountain in really deep snow and I was like what and then um, I had always remembered that and then ended up researching it and actually based on a lot of what I had studied about like the Mongols and their wartime techniques in college, I ended up putting the pieces together on this story and realized they were doing something really, really amazing uh, and culturally specific and interesting. So it's kind of random like that. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the best parts of freelancing is being able to come up with your own ideas and, and then pursuing them and convincing other people that their ideas are worth pursuing and and they pay you to chase it. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest part, isn't it? <laughs> the hardest part, but also the best part. So um, what kind of challenges have you faced in your career? What have been, in your experience, what have been the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome so far? The biggest thing that I've been reflecting on lately is 
there's no rule book for this stuff. You know, there's no, like, I can't like call Steven Spielberg and be like, how did you, how are you doing what you're doing? Like the man's a genius. Right. So, and even if I could call him, like, I don't think he would have an answer for me. It's, and maybe everyone feels this way in their careers. I don't know, but from an outside grass is always greener perspective. I do have a sense that, you know, in some other careers, there's, there seems like there's a trajectory in, in some way. And in this one, if there is, I don't know what it is yet. So <laughs> it's it's hard that there's no like blueprint. There's no one to tell you, you know, like if you just work really hard, like you'll get promoted here and then soon you'll be like a senior partner or whatever, you know, it's, right. it's, it's not as straightforward. Um, and so I just make mistakes all the time. And sometimes they cost me money and sometimes they cost me time. Sometimes they cost me projects that I really like. That part's really hard, but Every time I make a mistake, I learn. I try to have, like be really positive about it. And I'm like, okay, we just hired the wrong person for this project and wasted five weeks. But you know what? I'm never going to do that again because I know what I did wrong. And I think the other part that's been really hard is like in my industry in filmmaking, there's just so much rejection constantly. And I think that is something that's pretty unique to creative industries or just like work that's really public. Like at every stage of the process, I'm being judged, right? Like I have to pitch my idea and everyone's judging it and deciding if they like it. And like 99% of people don't like it, right? And then one person says, okay, that's a good idea. Have some money, go make your film. And then you make the film and then people are also judging it and nobody likes it and no, no festivals want it. And then, you know, so it's just constant rejection for fellowships and grants and festivals and whatever. Um, but it's been really liberating. I, I think like most, probably most Moorheads or most like high achievers or however you think of yourself, like you're just, you're not used to getting rejected that often, probably like for most, right. most of your like young adult life, because you're just used to like, being good at what you do, or maybe you're not being judged as constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been really, really interesting and humbling just being rejected all the time to the point where like, I get a rejection email three times a week from three different places, seriously, because I apply to a bunch of stuff like grants or whatever. And I just like mm-hmm. wake up and I'm like, mm-hmm. and it's like, dear Noam, unfortunately, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you keep those emails or do you delete them? What do you do? I used to get really upset because I really don't didn't deal well with rejection, I think, for a long time. But I got advice from another filmmaker that I've been thinking about a lot recently and channeling. And it's like, you should ask why you were rejected and use it as a learning experience and be like super kind to people and use it as an opportunity to keep the door open. And I just thought that was beautiful because I think usually when you're rejected, you're like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like you've rejected me and (laughs) like, you don't even know, like I'll show you. But actually it's been so much better for my psyche and for my career to be like, hey, like, thank you so much for your email. Like, you know, totally a bummer that we didn't get it. Uh, Would you mind hopping on the phone and talking to me about why we didn't get the grant or whatever? Like, I'd love to talk to you about it and learn more. And actually, people are super open to that. And those connections just end up being really valuable later. And then Mm -hmm. you usually end up getting that same thing down the line. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing piece of advice. I 
that's something I can I can imagine myself doing a better job of for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's almost counterintuitive, but then when you describe it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, um, so do you when you're talking about dealing with with uncertainty and you know lack of structure and dealing with rejection, do you think that your Warhead Kane experience helped prepare you for that? Yeah, I think so. Now that I'm, I, I never thought about it before, but I think I really liked the Warhead because I didn't feel. I didn't feel like there was a set path and no one was really going to tell you what to do. Like no, none of the advisors or the way that the program is structured, were going to say like, this is the right way to be a Moorhead or to like live your life. Um, And I felt kind of like what I said before, like I felt that the summers were really experimental. At least that's how I treated them. Um, I, I wasn't really thinking, oh, you know, I have to structure my summers perfectly to fit my major and to create some sort of career path. I was just using them as pure exploration. And I think that that's super helpful because now looking back, that's the biggest advice I would give to anyone in college. I would just say like, oh, like explore, explore, explore. Like, don't think that you're going to do this one career path because you probably won't. And so I think having that flexibility kind of molded my brain in a way that I could deal with uncertainty and with lack of structure and like thrive in it. Mm -hmm. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the forum. So you're going to be on a panel this year. You attended the forum last time, three years ago. What motivates you to support the forum in in this way? Why, why Why do you think it's worth it? I really like community. I've always been obsessed with community. Maybe it's because I'm an immigrant. I feel like the Moorhead is a really good community, like all of the scholars and the alumni. And it's just cool to come together with such interesting people. And I feel like every time I'm there, I like think new thoughts and I, it's kind of like a group therapy session (laughs) for me. And I feel like people are really vulnerable and open on the panels. And it's, it's great to hear from people who are older than me and more experienced. I remember at the last forum, someone on the panel, I don't remember who, spoke about how like, you know, in your 30s, maybe in your 40s, you're like really obsessed with your career success, but then you get to like your 50s and 60s and you're really into mentoring people. And that always really stuck with me because it like every time I get stressed about work or I'm like, Oh, why haven't I won an Oscar yet? <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait, actually like people are the most important thing. And that's what actually creates happiness and helping people. And so, and that was something I learned at the forum. So I always come away with this like really deep philosophical takeaway or two. And that's really beautiful. Right. And you've, I neglected to mention that you are also on the forum advisory team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, I guess you've been to two forums, right? You went to 2012 and, and 2015? Yeah, I think I've been to all of them since I've been a scholar. Mm-hmm. So this will be your, your third. So can you share one or two favorite specific memories from the forum? Is there anything that jumps out as a particularly valuable moment? Oh. Uh... <laughs> I'm just thinking of a bunch. Uh, I, I last forum I did a. This is a silly one, but I did. We did the 5K, and I did it with Amira, who never Amira Jiwa. She's one of my best friends, and she 
never runs and we ran it and she hated me the whole time I think <laughs> but, but we finished I think in the middle she was like I'm gonna throw up and I was like oh my god don't throw up. um but it was it was totally fine and she's a great runner um getting in that physical vigor yeah exactly it was super fun I love a good 5k so that's always a blast for me that's fun. And then I guess just my final question would be, what are you looking forward to most at this upcoming forum? I just love seeing everyone. I like being back in North Carolina. I really miss it. I'm not even from North Carolina. And I actually, it's pretty wild. I didn't even, I didn't even really know about UNC Chapel Hill before my guidance counselor recommended the Moorhead to me. And I thought it was like a religious school because it was called Chapel Hill, which is <laughs> funny I wonder um, how many people have ever made that mistake yeah I have no idea I mean again like I immigrated here with my parents like we just didn't know anything like I learned about right which colleges I should apply to because I read Gossip Girl and I was like okay Brown and Yale like I was such an idiot amazing where where did you immigrate from Israel okay gotcha it's funny now to think of North Carolina and UNC as home, but it really does feel like that. And I, I miss it a lot. So I'm excited to be back in the fall and to see everybody and to have my brain lit on fire by all the people talking about really interesting things. So that's what I'm excited for. Well, I'm personally very excited for it too. And all of us on staff are very excited as we're all you know seeing the behind the scenes as it gets put together piece by piece and um yeah and the barbecue i'm excited for that too (laughs) definitely the highlight um well thanks to you for being on the the advisory committee and for being on a panel and for attending every year that you've been able to and for being on the podcast thanks for having me on it I feel really, I think about it all the time. I feel really lucky to have been a scholar and to be part of the community. So I like to contribute in any way I can. You've been listening to Catalyze, a podcast produced by the Moorhead Kane Foundation at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. To learn more about Noam and her work, check out noamargov.com. That's N-O-A-M-A-R-G-O-V dot com. If you're a cousin, you can find her on the Moorhead Kane Network. A huge thank you to composer Creighton Irons, Moorhead Kane Class of 2005, for creating our theme music. You can learn about Creighton and his work at creightonirons.com. That's C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N-I-R-O-N-S dot com. And as we mentioned on our first episode, we want to hear from you. We welcome your ideas and feedback for Catalyze. Tell us what you like about what we're doing, what you want done differently, and ideas you have for making this project even bigger and better. Until next time.